Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Ness attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment. Happy New Year. And on this Hollywood 360 edition, we'll tune in to the Charlie McCarthy Show with guest Brad Allen... But first, a quarter-hour comedy episode of Fibber McGee and Molly, starring Jim and Mary and Jordan, from New Year's Eve, Eve. So actually, New Year's Eve, Eve, December 29th, 1955. Here's Fibber McGee and Molly. Miles Laboratories, makers of Alka-Seltzer, bring you another visit with Fibber McGee and Molly. Again, we invite you to listen to the transcribed adventures of Fibber McGee and Molly. The show is written by Phil Leslie and Ralph Goodman and directed by Max Hutton. We can get maybe a dozen of our friends. You know, just our closest friends. Together. Oh, that's a wonderful idea, McGee. Our own New Year's Eve party right here at home. Sure. Why fight the crowds at the sump room or someplace and pay 15 bucks for two horns and a paper hat and then have to slip the head waiter another five bucks to get a table, like last year? Last year? Yeah, that's what Herb Travis told me he did last year. Oh, Took Ruth out for a good time and wound up dancing with Francis Felton. Francis Felton? Who's that? Haven't you heard of Francis Felton and his society orchestra? He was standing out front conducting, but the crowd got so thick during the rumba that Herb and Francis wound up dancing the rumba. <laughs> Sounds like an old Charlie Chaplin movie. <laughs> he walked like Charlie for two weeks. <laughs> I know Herb from one will be tickled to death when he hears somebody's giving a party this New Year's Eve for a change. Well, let's make out a list of guests. Okay. I'll have to start planning how much food we need. Yeah. Now, let me get a pencil here. Let's see, there's Herb and Ruth Travis. Yeah, that's two. Morton Mabel Toops. Right, that's four. Doc Gamble. Five. No, I guess we better make that six. <laughs> yeah, the way old Fatso eats. He's... Oh, I was talking about Miss Cuddleson, oh, his yeah. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He'll probably bring her. She's an awfully sweet girl, you know that? Yeah, nice kid. You think they'll ever get married? I don't know, I doubt it. You really ought to talk to him about it. A fine man like him deserves a wife, and she'd be... Ah, uh, not me. When it comes to stuff like that there, I butt out. It's too dangerous. Wally Wimple still got detectives looking for the guy that introduced him to Sweetie Face. <laughs> oh, you men. Hey, there's a couple we got to ask, the Wimples. Put them down. Oh, of course. The Wimples? Sally and Les Nelson? My, the list is growing. Yeah, that's the way it goes with parties. Hey, how about the old-timer? I don't know if he'd like to come stag, you know, with Bessie out of town. I don't know either. You know, he's been drooping around like a wet cat the last few days. Yeah, I know. A party would be good for him if he'd come. Cheer him up a little. Well, let's ask him. Grocery boy. Did you hear something? Anybody home? Not that it matters. My goodness, that's him. I could hardly hear him. He's all broken up like a Christmas toy. Oh, well, it don't matter. Home, not home. I don't feel like talking anyhow. Poor thing. We're in here, Mr. Oldtimer. Hey, wait a minute. I'll get him, Molly. Gee whiz, he went out the door before... Hey, old-timer. Hey, don't go. Come on, come here, will you? 
Oh, sorry, kids. Got to put the groceries down, didn't I? Yeah. I'll set them here in the sink. Oh, any place, that's okay. This will probably be my last trip, son. When I get home tonight, I'm going to pack my bag with everything I own. Go out to the edge of town and jump off on a cliff. Huh? Oh, hey, now, wait yes, a minute. Yes, my goodness, we're going to have a New Year's Eve party this year, and you're invited. You don't want to miss that, do you? No, wait till after New Year's before you jump, old-timer. Oh, I'm sorry, kids. I I don't want to spoil your party, but since Bessie left, I just ain't in the mood to have fun. When she left, Bessie took the sunshine out of my life. Oh, he's in bad shape, McGee. Now, listen, old-timer, I was once in the same spot you're in. I had a girl I was crazy about, a beautiful girl. McGee! When she left town, I was as miserable as you are. And there's only one thing to do. Do like I did. I never heard about this great romance. Marry her, like I did. Oh. (laughs) Well, I appreciate your advice, Johnny, but that's impossible. Why impossible? People get married all the time. Yeah, but not to Cocker Spaniels. Cocker Spaniels? I didn't mind Bessie leaving so much, but... She took Sunshine, my little spaniel, with her. Oh. Ah, the fun we used to have, me and my little Sunshine. Long walks in the country, playing catch. Chasing cats together, just like father and son. For heaven's sake. So, thanks, kid, but no party. When New Year's Eve comes, I'll just set home among my souvenirs. A bone, a leash, huck a cloth out of the mailman's pants, and think of Sunshine. When Guy Lombardo plays Old Lang Syne, I'll, I'll whimper a little and... Crawl under the bed. Oh, well, I'm sorry you can't make it. Oh, we wouldn't think of having a party without asking you. Yes, we'll miss you. Bye. Oh, good. Hmm? Mrs. Spradley can't make it. She's going out of town. Oh, swell. I explained to Kramer at the drugstore that Mrs. Spradley would probably sing and I was going to do imitations, so Kramer says he can't make it either. <laughs> Wonderful. That cuts it down to just the people we want to have now. Mm-hmm. See, this is going to be fun. Yeah, we haven't had a good party in a long time, and this is a good gang we're getting together, you know that? Well, come on, let's get busy. How many do we have on the list now? Uh, let's see, scratch off Spradley. Let me see. Well, not counting the Krupps. Fred and Betty? What's the matter with them? I that? just remember they had a new baby last week. Oh, of course. That still leaves ten besides us. We've got to call Herb, Wimp, the Toopses, Les Nelson, and Doc, and... A new baby. How could I ever have forgotten that? <laughs> we lived next door to him, you'd remember. Ran into a neighbor of Fred's the other day, and he says he threatened to punch old Fred in the nose if he didn't get that yelling stop. Oh, dear. Says all night long, it's watch out, don't drop him, don't let your mother hold him. It's our baby, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> then her mother starts yelling back at Fred, and they say it's just bedlam. Must be. Well, ten people isn't a very big party, but I think a small group is more fun anyhow. Oh, sure. And I wouldn't go out this New Year's Eve and fight those crowds for... Oh, uh, come in. Well, Dr. Gamble, do come in. Hi, Molly. And a low bow in your direction, dum-dum. A low bow. <laughs> That's a laugh. The only part of you that can fold, fat boy, is that beat-up satchel you're carrying. Now, before you boys get started with your usual flattery, I'd like to get a word in here. Say, what are you doing New Year's Eve, Doctor? Do you have any plans? I do indeed, Molly, and that's why I came over. I got a table reserved at the sump room, Miss Cuddleson and I. Oh, well, that's nice. I hear the band is great. Francis Felton, ever hear of him? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good dancer, too. Huh? Well, I hope you and Miss Cuddleson have fun. Well, look, here's the deal, kids. The only way I could get anything at the sump room this late was to take a table for ten. The only thing they had left. Table for ten? Five couples, yeah. Fifteen dollars a couple. 
So I thought I'd round up some good friends like you kids and we'd have ourselves a ball. Oh, gee, Doctor. Well, we'd like to spend New Year's Eve with you, all right, but... Well, uh, we already got plans, Doc. Oh, gee, I'm sorry. I asked Herb and Ruthie Travis, but Herb said after you've seen one New Year's Eve at the sump room, you've seen them all. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> I know what he means. So far, I got the Wimples lined up. The Wimples? Yeah, and Morton Mabel. Toops? Morton Mabel Toops? Yep. And your next-door neighbors are going. Lesson, Sally? Nelson? So all I need is two more, and I'm all set. I was figuring on you kids for sure. These are all friends of yours, and... Oh, dear. Well, have to find somebody else, I guess. You mind if I use your phone? Molly, you mind if I use your phone? Oh, uh, no, doctor. Go right ahead. Uh, I'll give Fred Krupp a ring, and... Oh, no, they just had a new baby. Let's see, where's my address book? McGee, look. As long as our party just collapsed on us, why don't we... Uh... Fifteen bucks a couple? I know, but... Just to do a rumble with Francis Felton? Oh, no, not me. I can't seem to find my address book. Must have left it at the office. Are you sure you kids I'm can't... sorry, Doc. Thanks a lot, but we already got plans. Well, I got a scram. I'll think of somebody. Have a good time New Year's Eve, if that's possible in that mob. Yes, have fun, Doctor. Give our regards to Miss Cuddleson. I will. Bye. Looks so glum, Molly. We'll think up something to do. Someplace to go. I'll get it. McGee's residence. McGee's speaking. Oh, hello, Herb. Huh? You and Ruth? Having a party New Year's Eve with Molly and I like to come. Wonderful. Don't stand there. Say yes. Oh, yes. Boy, sure, Herb. Be a pleasure. Yeah, we're, we're sick and tired of going out, too. Boy, this is a break. Oh, know? I'm delighted. I like to be with friends on New Year's What's Eve. What say, Herb? Oh, you don't have to call us back. There's no need no, to... Oh, tell him we're delighted. You what, Herb? Oh, you have to check with the others on your list first. We're the first ones you called? That's nice, isn't it? Well, who are you going to ask? Oh, the Wimples, Les and Sally Nelson, Morton Mabel, Fred Krupp, Doc Gamble. What? Oh, dear, that's all. Oh, no. Well, there's no use giving a party unless everybody can come, of course. As a matter of fact, though, I just remembered something, Herb. Doctor! Doctor Gamble, wait a minute! Molly and I promised to go out New Year's Eve with Doc Gamble. Yeah, Doc got a big table at the sump room. You know, Francis Felton is playing there, and it'll be worth the money just to watch Doc Rummer, because if I can get him and Francis Felton together... You know, according to the paper tonight, we were lucky to get a reservation at the sump room, or anywhere else. Yeah? Well, that's one man's opinion. Frankly... It says here, hotel keepers predict the biggest night of all. The entire town is sold out. Hey, I got a great idea, Molly. I bet if I get down there early Saturday night and stand outside, I bet you I could probably sell that $15 reservation of ours for $25, 30 bucks, maybe. What? Why, make enough for us to go to a movie and have free popcorn, have oh, enough money... Oh, to... you'll do no such a thing. <laughs> I know I won't. <laughs> so long, everybody. See you tomorrow. Bye. Fibber McGee and Molly Transcribed is brought to you Mondays through Fridays at this time by Miles Laboratories, makers of Alka-Seltzer. Bill Thompson is the old-timer and Arthur Q. Bryan is Dr. Gamble. Well, it looks as if the McGees would wind up at the sump room again this year for their New Year's festivities, doesn't it? Unless, of course, there's another change of plan. This is John Wald inviting you back again for another quarter hour with your Wistful Vista friends. Goodbye now. Hear the dramatic story, Woman in My House, weekdays on most NBC radio stations.
That's a Christmas uh, Eve Eve, I should say New Year's Eve Eve program on February McGee and Molly, December 29th, 1955, planning for New Year's Jim and Marianne Jordan. And Lisa Wolf is on vacation, and pitch hitting for Lisa Wolf is Mike Stark, my good friend. What's up, Mike? How are you? I don't pinch hit. I bat third. <laughs> you pitch hit for me. <laughs> no. oh, that's right. I hit lead off a couple of games. Uh, this year. Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, well, Mike likes the classic radio shows, and we have uh, quite a lineup for this New Year's Eve uh, Hollywood 360 edition. In a few minutes, Charlie McCarthy, and then in our second hour, Challenge of the Yukon, FBI and Peace and War. Then our third hour, we'll tune into X minus one, along with talking to Sarah Adamson, and our fourth hour, Vic and Sade, and also The Whistler. So a lot coming your way. Stick around here on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, it is time now for the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy show. And uh, Edgar Bergen was born in Decatur, Michigan, 1903. And he developed a talent for ventriloquism at a very young age. And uh, when he asked a local carpenter to create a dummy... The wisecracking Charlie McCarthy was born. The duo began their career as talent show headliners, performing in Chicago while Bergen attended Northwestern University. They became huge, huge stars on radio and in some films as well. And we have an episode for you now. October 21st, 1945, Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy with special guest Fred Allen. Let's tune in part one now of the Charlie McCarthy Show. The makers of Jason Sanborn Coffee bring you the Charlie McCarthy Show. This is Ben Grauer, ladies and gentlemen, greeting you on behalf of Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Ray Noble and his orchestra, Anita Gordon, Mortimer Snurd, Ursula Twing, and our guest for the evening, Fred Allen. And here's Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Did he say Fred Allen? That's right, Charlie, he did. Fred says he wants to talk to you. He wants to clear up a matter. Yeah, yes. In his opinion, you have misjudged him. Yes, well, I respect his judgment as much as if he knew what he was talking about. Yes. Now, when Alan comes in, I want you to be courteous. Yes, Mr. Bergen. I'll remove my hat. That's fine. And then I'll clip him, so help me, I'll move him down. Charlie? Yes? uh, There's a matter that I want to talk to you about. Yes, yes, Mr. Bergen. Uh, whatever it is, though, I didn't do it. No, of course not. And what's more, I've got three witnesses who'll swear they didn't see me do it. I see. Yeah, yeah Charlie, what I want to talk to you about is it's a matter that uh, is rather personal. Well, naturally, yes. I walked into my bedroom this afternoon and I found that most of my bedding was gone. Oh, yeah? Yes. Now, regardless of what you say, young man, I'm positive you took it. Yeah? Yes. Am I right? Give this man a 12 silver dollars. Yeah. Just as I thought. Yeah. yeah. Now, what did you do with the bedding, Charlie? Well, I took it to make a bed for Ermatrude and Herkimer. I see. And who in the world are they? Well, they're two of my live oysters. Oysters? Yeah. Oysters? Yeah. You know, they have to live in beds, you know. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing with two live oysters? Well, if you must know, I'm... I'm now raising pearls. Oh, I see. Yes. You're now talking to Bivalve McCarthy. I see. The oysterologist. Yes, of course. (laughs) Well, that's very interesting. Well, thank you. And where did you get these oysters? 
Well, you know that seafood cafe around the corner? Yes. You mean the one with the big tank with the live fish in it in the window? Yeah, that's the one. Yes. Well, you see, I was in there, and um, uh, now you may not believe this, baby. <laughs> you may not believe it. <laughs> but the little rascals, those little monkeys, they, they followed me home. <laughs> they followed you home? Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, they did, yeah. You're right, Charlie. Huh? I don't believe it. Oh, you don't go for it? I don't go for it, no. Well, then try this one for size. No, now, wait a minute. What I mean is I, I borrowed them. You borrowed them? Yes, uh, let's say that. I see. You borrowed two oysters. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I was, uh, yeah. The man actually loaned them to you, did he? Yeah, he was, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so I latched onto them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, stop pinning me down. All right, yeah. Well, that's more like it. I'm ashamed of you, Charlie. Well, I'm sorry. Surely you don't want to grow up to be a thief. On what, may I ask, do you base your information? Well, now, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oysters. Yeah. I'll bet you don't even know what to feed them. Well, I do. Oyster crackers, of course. Yeah. <laughs> But when they're not looking, I'm going to feed them some string. String? And why string? Well, and when they turn out the pearls, they'll be already strung. Oh, I... <laughs> oh, I, I say, did I hear someone mention oysters and pearls? Yes, Ray. Uh, would you like to invest uh, in my oyster orchard? Oyster orchard? Yes. With my brains and your money, what can we lose? <laughs> my money, old boy. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'll be glad to sell you an interest in my oysters. Well, to me, Charlie, that sounds like the old shell game. Yeah. <laughs> shell game. You do see it, don't you? Yeah. I think I concocted a bit of a drollery. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of it? I don't think the world is ready for it, frankly. <laughs> a little bit of you goes a long way, right? Well, after all, old chap. I mean, a, a joke's a joke. Not when you tell it. All right. <laughs> now, will you get out of here? Oh, right all, boy, right all. He'll be sorry, though, when the pearls start rolling out. Oh, of course he will, yeah. Now, uh, you talk, though, as though you expect to get pearls right away, and lots of them. Well, why not? Well, Charlie, don't be silly. Huh? I've already got the mama and the papa oyster. And before long, I'll, uh, I'll be hearing the patter of little, uh, blue points. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's plain you haven't studied your biology lessons. Now, no, oysters are quite different from other forms of life. Yeah. Yes. The oddities of nature can be very fascinating. Yes. Well, not the one you were out with last night. All right. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, what do you mean, I don't know my biology? I don't sort of follow you there. Well, it's a rather scientific and, uh, I suppose, it's a rather delicate subject to try and explain. Well, you can try. Yeah. I don't know whether I should tell you or not. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Perkins. I can keep a secret. <laughs> you know me. I don't talk. Come think of it, I ain't kidding. All right. <laughs> well, what I mean, Charlie, is this. oysters are very changeable. At times, the mother oyster, well, they aren't really mothers. No? No. You mean the stepmothers? Well, no, no. No, you see, it's, it's like this. Uh, to begin with, uh, yeah, they're, uh, well, that is, uh, uh, well, I'll put it another way. Another way? Yeah. <laughs> Up to now, you haven't put it anyway. All right. Well, on second thought, I think we'd better forget the whole thing. Oh, come on, Bergen, tell me. I want to learn more about the oysters. 
In the raw. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, what I was trying to say is that oysters never, well, what shall we say, you know, pair off uh, or go together. Well, you mean they, they never get married? Yeah, you might say that, yeah. No. That's right. <laughs> Does Luella Parsons know about this? Or... <laughs> now, wait a minute, Charlie. I, I, may, I may have gotten you a little confused here. Uh, perhaps, perhaps I should have said that, uh... You've said quite enough, Mr. Bergen. You, you scandal-monger, you... Oh, now, listen, John. No, please. You disillusioner, you... Oh, now, look. I was just an innocent child before you started. Oh, now, listen, Charlie. You're raising oysters, aren't you? I thought you'd like to know. Please, Bergen. Listen, Charlie. No, please. There's nothing you can say now. <laughs> Charlie. No. You've destroyed something fine in me. Oh, yeah. You better go, old man. You better go. Just go, all right. <laughs> By the cup, you call it coffee. By the pound, it's Chase and Sanborn. That's the good word for finer coffee, the byword for coffee for you. To put what you call coffee in your cup, ask your grocer for Chase and Sanborn. Now that rich, heavy cream is back, combine it with richer flavor, with delicious Chase and Sanborn flavor. Coffee stands alone among all the foods we eat or drink every day. Nothing else in the world tastes like coffee or brings you the same satisfaction. When you want coffee, with meals or between, you know exactly what you want and nothing else will do. By the cup, you call it coffee. By the pound, it's Chase and Sanborn. That standard dates back nearly 82 years, established by millions of people. And right now, more people profit by this experience than ever before. Today, the word coffee means Chase and Sanborn all over the country. So don't settle for anything less. Ask for Chase and Sanborn coffee. All right, let's take a break here on the Charlie McCarthy Show. October 21st, 1945, starring Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, and special guest Fred Allen. He'll be coming uh, onto the show and uh, when we return to it in just a few moments. Lisa Wolf is not here today. She is taking a week off. She's in Florida with her husband, and I think she's got her kids out there, too. I think she's listening. So, Lisa, uh, I hope you're enjoying yourself out there. Mike Stark is here, my good pal. And, uh, Mike, are you enjoying this Charlie McCarthy show? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just, uh, overwhelmed. Are you, are you, uh, are you enjoying, uh, Candy Bergen's dad? Enjoy, Little Candy Bergen? I'd enjoy her better. Yeah. Well, anyway, so, uh, he's looking up some trivia questions, right? Some old time radio trivia questions? I'm getting to it. Yeah. We'll, we'll have something later in the show. He's going to have, he's going to try to stump me a little bit. All right. When we come back from, uh, the, uh, this break, we're going to tune into part two, the conclusion of the uh, Charlie McCarthy Show. So stick around here on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. Much more classic radio shows. We're celebrating the new year right here on Hollywood 360. Stick around. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. So Mike uh, was looking up some uh, trivia questions. Uh, those aren't going to work, Mike, because those are, uh, I think I got every one of those, right? You sure did, Carl. That's I mean, not going to work. You asked me, like, who 
Lamont Cranston was. No, I <laughs> know who pretty, Lamont Cranston. That's don't make, pretty make, easy, Mike. No, I'm not. I'm not ignorant either. Yeah. I know who these people. are. I mean, are you too. asked me. I listen to your show every week. You asked me who played Jeff Regan. That's uh, Jack Webb, obviously. You asked yeah. me who. Uh, what What was the occupation of the of Riley's? What was it? Riley's, Riley's friend? friend, Digger Odell. Oh yeah, he was a he was an undertaker. Are you sure he wasn't a factory worker or a no, construction worker? No, no, no. What else you got there? Well, we were talking about. Um, who Are you played? from Canada? A boot? Oh, you bet. Talking a boot? Oh, you want? <laughs> you don't <laughs> so, want me to go there? I went to school in Minnesota, you know. That's right. So I can go there if you like. But uh, all right, uh, which of the following uh, portrayed Jeff Regan? Uh, Private investigator. And no, just just use your own voice. This is making me William nauseous. Conrad, um, no, Jack Webb, Jack Webb, yeah, Spider Man, no, John Jack. Denner, John Denver, Daner, Daner. Denver Pyle, John Daner. Right, so Reed, what else you Robert got Reed. for me there? Um, I don't really have a lot of material here because uh, you know uh, everything there. No, um, not everything about old time radio. Well, well, we'll get some. We'll get some. Maybe some movie trivia that you don't uh, know. I, then go to movie trivia. That's you know, fine. I'm not going to go to movie trivia now because no. Go uh, to movie trivia. We'll see what happens. Are, okay. You can go to television trivia play too. The, play the Jeopardy music. Um, okay. Um, so who are the two people that played Bozo the Clown. Bozo. Well, there was more than than two okay. people. I'm not talking about Larry Harmon now. Talking about you're talking about here in Chicago. WGN in Chicago. Well, it was Bob Bell. Uh huh. And then the guy that did it for a while. Yeah, uh, the guy who did it for a while. What's his um, name? Do I play the Jeopardy music for you here, pal? Um, Art Artie something or other. What was it? What was his name? Aunt Joey Dioria. Yeah, Joey Dioria. Yeah, right. Who was right. Cookie? Um, for a while, I don't remember. Not for a while, it was Roy Brown. Yeah, Roy Brown. Who was Bozo? Well, that was um, that was the magician. Um. That was Marshall Brodeen. Yes, Marshall Brodeen. Yes, yeah, but and see, his now this show, but show, this show is national, though, Mike. Magic, we can't just talk about on. Chicago. It is, but it was on WGN Radio. You mean WGN Television? Yes. Yeah. But that's all so, over the uh, no, that's over the country. But Bozo Circus was syndicated. All right, so what about some other movie and TV stuff? Are you going to look some up? I'll, I'll get to it. All, all uh, throughout the show, you're going to give me some stuff to try I'll, to... I'll, uh, I'll come up with some all right. stuff. There I, I, all right, then I'll, I'll drink a couple of glasses of uh, uh, coffee, a couple of cups of coffee, so keep me away. some ambit energy. Uh, yeah. All right, so we're tuning in to Charlie McCarthy, October 21st, 1945, Edgar Bergen and uh, Charlie McCarthy. We're about to uh, hear from Mortimer Snurd, which was his other dummy. He was kind of slow-witted, that kind of guy. And then Fred Allen's coming up. So let's tune this in. Part two, the conclusion of the Charlie McCarthy Show. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Hello, Mr. Morgan. Well, hello, Mortimer. Hello. Yes. Well, I see. You, you've been taking pictures. Well, I've been snap shooting New York. Yeah, well, that's fine. Is that a brownie? Hmm? I say, is that a brownie? No, it's a camera. It's, yeah, I know, it's a camera. Oh, ain't he dumb, I suppose you know that getting the right exposure is very important. Yeah. Yes. Uh, do you have a light meter? Uh, I say, do you have a light meter? Uh, a light meter? Yes. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I don't even have a dark meter. Oh, I don't even know. Well, what do you do on a cloudy day? Well, wearing the rubbers. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, how many pictures have you taken so far? A dozen? Uh, how many? A dozen? No, no. 
Oh, I'd say just about 12. About 12. <laughs> but I think I held the camera backwards. Oh, you held the camera backwards? You. You mean you, 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 were, you were pointing at you instead of at what you were photographing? Yeah. Well, that's silly. <laughs> you know, right up me, I'll point it all the time. <laughs> Can anyone use 12 attractive snapshots of my stomach? <laughs> Now, don't tell me those are the only pictures you've got. Well, that's all I guess. I just kept taking pot shots. Yeah, as I see. <laughs> well, Mortimer, let me take a good picture of you. You know, I'd like one for myself. Bill? Yes. Well, they say, they say that I, I look pretty good in a picture. Oh, you do look good in a picture, do you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, I see. <laughs> all except around the face. All except around the face, yeah. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that, Mortimer. I, I don't think you're homely. I, I, uh, hmm? I say, um, I don't think you're homely. Oh, go on. <laughs> you got eyes, ain't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you have an inferiority complex. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I wish I knew something nice to say about you. Well, that's all right. Mortimer, how can you be so stupid? Well, I think my brains is out of focus, I think. I'm here to talk to Charlie. Well, it's too late, fossil face. Oh, you can tell it to the judge. Uh-uh, now, McCarthy. I came here to bury the hatchet. And I know approximately where I am going to bury it. Fred, please, please, let us not quarrel. Uh, you're right, Edgar. Between us who have worn the motley and flaunted the sock and buskin, there is, after all, an eternal bond of brotherhood. That's all, brother. <laughs> you sock them and I'll busk them. All right. I can understand how you feel, Charlie. Perhaps in a fit of pique, a, a temporary transient pique, I did act a trifle hasty. You, you must hate me. I'll be glad to. <laughs> Now, you shouldn't talk that way, Charlie. You know, you and I have something in common. We're both Irish. If you're Irish, you must be shanty Irish. Well, that's better than being a part of the shanty. Which part it doesn't say here. Stick with me. <laughs> I'm practically alone out here. Yeah. Well, I would suggest enough of this sort of thing, Fred. Now, what is it that you want to see us about? Well, I'd like to patch up our little misunderstanding, Good. Edgar. I happen to be in a repentant mood. I wish to make amends. Although, Mark, you, I feel as though I owe Charlie nothing. Yes, he owes me nothing. Did you hear that? Just listen to this letter I got from the park commissioner, Moses. A quote, it says here. Dear Mr. McCarthy, you did a big thing for me in getting Alan a job. Eh? With now no one steals the food, I throw to the pigeons. Yeah. Well, that's...
that's fine. You can tell Mr. Moses now I won't have to glue on all of those feathers every time I go out to eat. <laughs> now, Fred, can we get back... Can we get back to the reason for your visit here? Uh, well, this thing has upset me, Edgar. Last night, as I lay upon my pillow, I brushed aside a vagrant tear which hung pendant-like from my glistening orbs. I was thinking. You were stinking. Oh. No, I was wondering why two dear old friends, Edgar, should have to settle their differences in court. Well, you should have thought of that before. Edgar, I'm allergic to lawsuits. They're so unpleasant. They take up so much time. And you always lose. Ah. <laughs> now, instead of stooping so low as to pick up that joke, <laughs> instead of stooping so low as to offer you anything as filthy and as debasing as money, I tell you what I'd like to do, Charlie. I'd like to have you appear in a little sketch on my program for which you will be handsomely rewarded. Yeah, well, how much? Uh, how much what? Well, money, I, uh, money. Well, I had thought of 400 pounds. Uh, sterling? No, pounds of tender leaf tea. <laughs> there I go, holding the bag again. <laughs> now, in, in this play, Charlie, you are to be the star, the great lover. See, that's what I get for being tight. But tell me more about it, I'll listen. Well, the play is called... Weekend at Joe's Flophouse. <laughs> and you play the part of a big lumber magnet, Fiorello Q. Splinterbottom the third. The third, no less. The third. Yeah, You're still in the money. You're yeah. the... <laughs> I suppose I don't appear until the very end of the last act or something like no, that. No, no, no. Uh-uh, Charlie, you come right on at the opening... And then you never leave the stage. Yeah, well, now, that's good. Now, that's good. That's all right. In fact, it's too good. I smell a rat here. <laughs> if you have the parts, let's read over the play. Good, Edgar. Say, Ray, you, uh, you're a sound man. <laughs> oh, thanks. I have been feeling rather chipper lately, you know. No, no, I... Uh, no. I mean... <laughs> I mean, you handle the sound effects in the play. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Now, as the curtain rises, we see that outside it is a beautiful summer afternoon. And a bumblebee is lazily flitting from flower to flower. The bee, Ray. Oh, yes. Uh, buzz, 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 and oh, it's all rot, you know. <laughs> a Bob White gives his call. Uh, uh, Robert White? Robert White? <laughs> the cuckoo clock in the hall strikes 2.30. Uh, uh, cuckoo? Cuckoo? Cook! <laughs> I am a Chinese detective. I speak to the butler. Mr. Butler, your master, Mr. Splinterbottom, life in great danger. I have come here secretly to warn you. Indeed, sir. Who should I say is calling? I am Detective Wan Long Pan, famous Chinese G-man, Oriental Dick Tracy. Where is your master? Oh, here he comes now, sir. Ah, <laughs> uh, how blue the sky. How bright the sun. As I look beyond the daffodils, I see the shimmering heat over the rutabaga patch. <laughs> Who got shot? You did. <laughs> Lie down, you're dead. How do you like that? I didn't even finish my speech. Oh, yes, you did. Oh, no, I didn't. You shot me right in the middle of the rutabaga patch. <laughs> Now lie down and let rigor mortis set in. 
Don't hog it. Let another party in. You mean I get killed this soon? Yes. The rest of the action takes place while you lie on the floor. It will over my dead body. Exactly. Yeah. And you're not supposed to move around. You're a corpse, so stop wiggling. Yeah. Well, I wiggle till the sun goes down. That is any snake's prerogative. <laughs> Just a moment. Uh, uh, this isn't much of a part, Fred. Now, I thought Charlie was in all through the show and didn't leave the stage. Well, he doesn't, Edgar. He stays there as a dead body. Well, then pardon me for objecting, now, Mr. Uh, uh, now, I now, do... just a minute. You stay out of this, Curly. <laughs> By that, I suppose you're referring to my hairline. What hairline? Well, uh, why, from the neck up, you are indecent. Oh, <laughs> seen more fuzz on a choir boy's cheek. <laughs> you know, there's a rumor around that your head was the inspiration for that song, One Meatball. Yes. <laughs> You're such a clever wit, Mr. Allen. Yes. If all your jokes were laid end to end, they'd just lay there. <laughs> now shut up, you, or I'll put a ring in your nose and use you for a hitching pose. <laughs> If I put a ring in your nose, you couldn't talk at all. <laughs> one up, one I'm uh, upset now. <laughs> now, I'm not afraid of you, McCarty. I'll scare you so stiff you can go on the air for a starch sponsor. Alan, I warn you, you'll find Charlie quite a match for you. Match? Yes. I have struck better matches on the seat of my old trousers. That's a broad statement. No end. <laughs> Your behavior is not a credit to the acting profession, Mr. Allen. You mean that uh, I am a ham? No, I insult an innocent pig. I told you to keep quiet or I'll put a rubber beret on your head and use you for a plunger. Listen, you you broken No Let him go. I've got marine insurance. Let him go. Charlie, regardless of what Mr. Allen says, remember, you must respect anyone who is older than you are. I didn't know it applied to baboons, too. Yeah. Now I resent your audacity, Whitling Bait. Are you trying to compare me to one of those baboons with a pink nose? I don't care how you look at him. <laughs> one more crack like that and I'll turn you upside down and use you for a slingshot. I was a fool for coming here. Coming here had nothing to do with it. Where's my lawyer? Oh, my lawyer. I'll get my In your home, this suggestion applies to your table, to your personal profit. That's the daily advantage of remembering the byword for coffee. By the cup, you call it coffee. By the pound, it's Chase and Sanborn. All the good things you look forward to whenever you think about coffee are yours in abundance in Chase and Sanborn. There's more flavor in every cup. Make the most of that now that heavy cream is back. Richer cream and richer flavor are perfect companions. 
Experience has taught you what coffee should taste like. You know the satisfaction it brings. By the cup, you call it coffee. By the pound, it's chastened Sanborn. That standard of excellence has prevailed among millions for nearly 82 years. And now more people than ever before have chastened Sanborn goodness in mind when they say, let's have a cup of coffee. Have that in mind when you're buying coffee. Don't settle for anything less. Ask your grocer for delicious chastened Sanborn coffee. This is Ben Grauer saying goodnight from New York's Radio City. That's the Charlie McCarthy Show, October 21st, 1945. Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, special guest, Fred Allen, sponsored by Chase and Sanborn Coffee, as uh, originally heard on NBC. Um, hey, uh, Mike, did you know that we give away 10 free classic radio shows and we have a podcast of the show every single week on our homepage? Did you know that? I did know that, Carl. Did you? All right, very good. We do. We have a podcast. If you ever miss this show, this particular show will be podcast the following Monday. So we air the show across the network on different days of the week. We we actually broadcast the show on Saturdays. Most of our stations do carry us on Saturday, but some carry us uh, on Sunday and some carry us during the week. But on the Monday following the Saturday broadcast, the show is podcast on our homepage. You get the entire four-hour show podcast plus an additional bonus hour of classic radio. So you get really five hours of classic radio as a podcast. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com. That's Hollywood360radio.com. At that same site, you can get 10 free classic radio shows downloadable absolutely free. They're yours as a thank you for being a listener to Hollywood 360. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with more on Hollywood 360. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360, brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, Mike Stark, we have a couple of uh, minutes. Do you have some trivia? Holy quizzes, Batman, I do. All right. We're going to do Flintstones right now. Flintstone trivia. All Flintstones. right. Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. Yep. All right. First question. What was the name of the alien that became Fred and Barney's servant? Ah. Was it A, Mork for Mork? B, Martin the Martian? No. The Great Gildersleeve? <laughs> <laughs> or the Great Gazoo? It was Gazoo. It was. He had a it was head. Gazoo. Kind of I remember reminds me that. of somebody we play baseball. I don't know with. that I, I might not need the A B C D on these. I knew that uh, one. Was that. So okay, let's fine. See. What color were Betty's ribbons in her hair? Betty's ribbons. So uh, I don't need any choices. Oh boy, mm-hmm. red, eh. purple. Eh. Oh boy, got me. Are you a boy? Yellow. Or, are you a boy or a girl? Blue. Correct. All right. What did Fred and Barney jointly build together? A barbecue grill. Uh huh. A swimming pool, a pool table, or a motorcycle? I think a swimming pool. Correct. Yeah. Boy, blunder. Hang on a second. <laughs> Wait a minute. I was correct. Oh, All right. you're going to do that, are you? All right. Okay. Why did, uh, if you don't want the, uh, the choices. Well, I'll try without the choices first. Okay. Why did Fred and Barney fake an illness? They wanted to get out of work. Wrong. All right. So why? They want, here's your, I'll give you two choices. All right. Because you have 50 Yeah, just give me two choices. They wanted to stay home and watch the fight, or they didn't want to take their wives to the opera. Opera. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you, won't need a, you won't need a choice for this. Who was Fred's voice? Oh, Alan Reed. Correct. Who did Don Messick play? 
Don Messick. Was he uh was he the uh boss? Slate? I think so, yeah. Pretty sure he was. Mr. Slate, remember okay. him? Mm-hmm. Of course I do. Mm-hmm. So Fred worked at a bowling alley? No, he worked at uh Rock Quarry. Correct. <laughs> Getting annoying with that. I'm gonna come <laughs> over there in a minute. <laughs> Okay, here's one. Um, <clears throat> what name did Fred give his so-called son, played by Barney? His son? Remember the the episode where Barney pretended to be a baby? Oh, no. I don't remember And he that. was baby what? Baby Stoney or baby Tex? I don't know. I'll say Stoney. You'll be wrong. <clears throat> that's that's what I want to hear. <laughs> baby Stoney? Baby <laughs> Tex? Baby Tex is the correct I don't, answer. I don't remember that episode. I do. But anyway, um, I think there might have been a gangster in that one, too. Really? Uh, Dina runs away at one point. True or false? Dino, yes. He ran away. Correct. But mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's hold the rest of that because we're going to take a break here. Uh, all right. We're going to take a break. In our next hour, we're going to tune in to the FBI in Peace and War, a show called The Crack Up. You're going to love that. And then prior to that, it's a New Year's quarter-hour episode of Challenge of the Yukon, Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog, Yukon King, from 1945. That's coming your way. Stick around here on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network.